trash. Then there's stuff after the trade that come came out about Kyrie Irving actually being excited that James Harden was traded because he actually was looking forward to him being out of town and all of these other little crazy rumors swirling around. Hello and welcome to the Friday, February 11th edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Thank you for clicking on to watch or listen to today's episode. Before we start, I do have to plug my other platforms. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball, uh, on, basketball on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for updates in the podcast and for other great content. If you're on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe, and hit the notification bell so you will not miss an episode. And for, my, all, my, for all my podcast listeners, remember to subscribe and leave a review if you're on Apple um, and that's for my Spotify um, anchor popping listeners. Just show your support in any way possible. I highly, highly appreciate it. You know why we're here today. We are here to talk the trades. I love the NBA, man. I absolutely just love the NBA. Crazy trade deadline, crazy trades happening throughout the week. And that's going to be the main focus of today's show, talking about that. Also talking about the NBA All-Star Draft. But of course, with an episode of this magnitude, I couldn't do this alone. I got to bring in my guy, Jalen from the Hoop Talk podcast. What's going, my guy? I'm chilling, bro. Very excited to talk about these trades, bro. Insane day. And it's crazy part was we talking about it on the pre-pod. Most of this kicked off around noon, bro. So most of this was happening back to back to back. So it's finally finally time for us to sit down and get into all of this madness. There is a lot, and I mean a lot to break down. And we are here. We're going to strap up. We're ready to talk some trades. And like I said, we're also going to be finishing it off with a bit of the NBA All-Star Draft, which also happened last night or as of recording like half an hour ago. But yeah, there's a lot to get into. I don't want to hold you guys any longer. Let's get right into this. And of course, actually, no, before we go on, I got to I gotta show my guys some respect. Jalen has a new Instagram page, Basketball Genius. Go check him out. He's trying to do his, like, his, his own individual stuff. He's got, the, he's got the articles running. If you want to like just speak on that really quickly, you could do that before we get into this. Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate that, bro. Yeah, I'm just trying to get into my article writing bag. I'm trying to get a little bit better in this journalism space. Also doing a little bit of TikTok stuff over there. Basketball Genius 1 on Instagram and on TikTok is one of those things where I'm just trying to explore a different realm of myself when it comes to this basketball space. Funny content, more analytical stuff over there, as well as a couple of little small things that are coming around the corner, too. Thank you, man. Thank you for the plug. Most definitely. Most definitely. Definitely check him out. And of course, the Hoop Talk podcast, check him out. Ryan wasn't able to make it tonight, but la- but next week we have a special episode planned, and that's going to be it's going to be definitely fun for All Star Weekend. We're definitely going to be getting, getting into that, and yeah, that's about it for all the plugging. Let's get right into this trade, and bro, you already know where we're starting. The trade that we didn't think would happen, I at least I didn't think was going to happen. I thought like it was still a flash in the pan, but the blockbuster deal went through. The Brooklyn Nets tr- um, receiving Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, an unprotected first-round pick in this year, and a top-eight protected second-round pick in 2027 in exchange for Mr. James Harden and Paul Millsap. That's a lot. That was a crazy, crazy deal, the deal of the day. Jalen, I'm throwing it to you. Initial thoughts, any type of, like, just your feelings on this trade. Man, I mean, the first thing that came up for me was like, wow, the trade of the century. I was blowing group chats up. I had to show my girlfriend the screenshot from Bleacher Report of the jersey swaps. I was just blown because 
of course, we've been we've been getting reports all week, right? If you talk to Steve Nash, if you let it be based off what Steve Nash told us, you would have thought that James Harden was not even close to touchable come this trade deadline. But then as the day continues, there's a lot of stuff coming out from Adrian Wojnarowski about James Harden wanting to be traded but not wanting to express a trade request because he doesn't want backlash. Then there's stuff after the trade that come came out about Kyrie Irving actually being excited that James Harden was traded because he actually was looking forward to him being out of town and all of these other little crazy rumors swirling around. And so with all the madness around this trade, focusing in on the basketball aspect of it, TV, I want to get your perspective on this. I have a hard time picking a loser in this exchange because when you look at Brooklyn, yes, if you look at Ben Simmons on face value for what we've seen from him, Yes, he doesn't give them any floor, floor spacing, but he does help them on the defensive end. They picked up Seth Curry, who makes up shooting-wise for Ben Simmons. And I I would argue that at least having Andre Drummond is better than the DeAndre Jordan minutes they were once upon a time playing center right behind, you know, right behind or ahead of Nicholas Claxton. So, I mean, we already know what's up with the Philly side, right? You get James yeah. Harden with Joel and B. The pick and roll is vicious. Yeah. So I'm not sure who actually loses this trade. Yeah, there's okay. Before we get to the winners and losers, I just want to say thank God the Ben Simmons saga is finally complete. <laughs> Honestly, all summer long, seven months over the last seven months, all of this bull about Ben Simmons. Is he getting traded? Is he not? Tired of talking about him as content creators. We are tired of talking Ben Simmons. (laughs) And now this mess is over. That's off my chest. Let's get back. Let's get into this. Um, The Brook, yeah, honestly, I completely agree with you. There are no losers in this trade. From the Philly side of things, they got their guy. Maury was holding out saying, look, we could trade Ben Simmons for McCollum. We could trade Ben Simmons for anything the Kings got us. But we're waiting. We're waiting and we're waiting. And who did he hold up for? A top 10 player in the league. Now you basically got two of them on the same roster, James Harden, Joel Embiid, who's having another MVP level season. And you already know, you talked about it. The pick and roll is going to be deadly. They finally got that outside creator that they were missing when Ben Simmons was out. And then this guy can hit the three. They still got, you didn't have to give up a Tyrese Maxey, a Tobias Harris. You still got a good team around them. I mean, this trade just took the 76ers, who are currently, I mean, they're still having a good year. Let's not, let's not get it twisted. They're number five in the East, even without um, Ben Simmons. But adding James Harden just takes them from here to here. And we already knew, like, what, what James Harden's all about. He was kind of, I mean, we talked about it. in the press conferences. He wasn't looking like himself. Kind of giving you that Houston Rockets feel by the time that he was leaving from back then. We, the 76ers know what they're getting. They're getting a bona fide superstar. They got their guy beside Joel Embiid. And if you saw Joel Embiid's Instagram post, the one with the <laughs> RP, the haters, you know, they've been, he's been waiting for this trade for a long time. He's been definitely asking for this. And they finally got it. On the net side of things, you, you, go, you went through it. Ben Simmons, he doesn't have to be relied on to score. This guy could play the best defense on that team, play the Draymond Green role. Just facilitate, get rebounds. You got KD. You got Kyrie Irving. They can get you a bucket. They can get you a bucket. Seth Curry can hit those threes. They still have Patty Mills who could hit those threes. And then, of course, on the inside, you're good with the rebounding now. You got Andre Drummond, one of the 
one of the elite rebounders in the in basketball. Of course, he's gonna like he's been showing he's been showing out this year as well, being a good interior defender. Honestly, man, there are really no losers in this trade. And like honestly, these are the type of stuff, man. We've been waiting for this. We didn't we didn't think this was gonna happen in the offseason. I'm just glad it went through, and I'm just glad that we finally we got to see that monster trade on deadline um, trade deadline day. Yeah, man. I mean, just to kind of like you know finish up in terms of this trade in particular. I mean, this was the trade that everybody thought wasn't gonna happen, right? You get to the trade deadline and you look at all the teams that didn't really have a lot of money. You look at the teams that did have a lot of money. Actually, you know, the Knicks, for example, were one of those teams that had bread on them and didn't make any moves at the deadline. And you just kind of wondered whether or not anything really dynamic was going to happen because of everybody being cap-strapped this year. Yeah. Well, clearly the Sixers didn't care. Clearly yeah. Daryl Morey had something in his bag. Shout out my friend Miles Johnson. He's been saying for oh, months, yeah. years even, that this was in the works, and now it's come to fruition. It's one of those things that I think is going to be so interesting for the dynamic of the East in particular because TV, both both of our favorite teams are in this mix, man. And we're going to have to go through a gauntlet. I think, honestly, the East just got even more competitive just with these two teams getting better overnight. It's insane how the entirety of this entire conference can be that much better on the overall landscape of the NBA just by one trade because now these teams look dangerous and the rest of the league is going to be put on notice. Yeah, no, 100%. And before we move on to the next trade, I do want to have your thoughts on this. I mean, okay. we know the like the thing about the like uh, what Ben Simmons, him holding out the entire year. Now he goes to a team. He finally gets to play for the first time this season. The Harden, of course, finally going to the 76ers. I mean, looking at the Brooklyn Nets side especially, specifically, Kyrie Irving, we don't know whether the manager are going to change or not with, like, New, with New York State or whatever. Ben Simmons, we know how, like, how much he can like kind of like change like the the course of a locker room. I mean, they have the talent on paper. Like I just I don't know why. This is something a little bit inside me just has a feeling that one little thing and this whole thing can implode for the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, do you have that kind of concern as well going into this? I mean, I think I would be a little bit more concerned if some of the reports weren't what they were, right? So I think there's already been a lot of reports from Rich Paul and that camp about Ben Simmons being in contact with Kevin Durant talking about the idea of them having work to get into, but obviously that he's ready to play basketball. One thing that we don't have to worry about with Ben Simmons that we still have our worries with Kyrie on is that Ben Simmons is vaccinated. So we don't have to worry about the issue of him being a part-time player as well. And truthfully, you know, whether Ben Simmons showed it on his face on a consistent basis or not, Ben Simmons was a hard-working, hard-playing player for the 76ers. Now, granted, you can make arguments about his ability to elevate his game, right? Everybody will go to the, to the jump shot. But in terms of playing hard for 35-plus minutes a night during the regular season and even during the postseason, it's hard to argue that he's argue against the idea that he's a high-energy player. I think if you put a high-energy guy on this kind of team – this all, they've already got the pieces, TV. You already talked about it earlier. Seth Curry being added to this team as well. Another veteran locker room presence. Patty Mills already being on the squad. This squad is a lot more veteran built around a guy like Ben Simmons in ways that Philly never was yeah. for him. And I think the structure of that is going to help him a lot in ways that I don't think he's going to be the Ter- Terrell Owens team obliterator the way yeah. people seem like he's going to come into this this second half of the season acting like I think it's going to be a good fit for him. Yeah, and then it really does help that he's a number three option now at this point in terms of the mm-hmm. offensive end. You got the guys to like make the like make up the points that you're going to be missing. This guy could just finish uh, can just focus on what he does best, 
being one of the best defenders in the league, one of the best playmakers in the league. He could focus on that. On paper, it looks good, but I don't know, man. These personalities, they, they just a little bit, just a little bit yeah, worried for these sure. personalities. But still, <laughs> crazy trade, happy this happened. Yes, no more Ben Simmons. Let's 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 just not. Right? I, I'm so tired. That Ben Simmons thing really had a toll on me. It was so annoying. But let's move on to the next trade. Another trade. I mean, there was a lot of trades happened today, but also there's some crazy trades that happened throughout the week. And another big one that we are going to discuss here today was a trade. I didn't even know this guy was available. The fact that he was traded, I don't know like how this happened. But the Indiana Pacers were able to move off Demontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb. Justin Holiday in a 2027 second round pick for Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson, and Tyrese Halliburton. Tyrese Halliburton from the Sacramento Kings. I mean, I'm a huge fan of him. I am a massive fan of Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, the NBA like NBA community was up in arms of this trade for the Kings. Like, what are you doing? Jalen, what was your thoughts on this trade? So my thoughts initially were, why would you move the guy that everybody is invested in? including the guy in terms of the franchise itself, that guy is invested back into you, right? This is a guy who, based off all the rumors around NBA draft night, he basically coaxed his way into going to the Sacramento Kings. Now, how many draft picks, TV, do you think over the last couple of years have finessed their way into being drafted by the Kings? TV, this is the same team that on a nightly basis me and you have agreed to always bet against. And you're talking about guys being willingly open to being drafted by this team. The other thing is I've, I've talked to Kings fans before, especially in the last week or two with the fact that I've been after a couple of their guys, Harrison Barnes is one of those guys that as a Bulls fan, I've had my eye on for a couple of weeks now. They all thought De'Aaron Fox was the guy. If anybody in terms of that guard tandem was going to get split up, because they both play better without each other. The the statistics both show it. They're both averaging at least like five or six points better when one one of the two is off the floor. So the stats show that they needed to be split up in order to maximize the most out of whoever they kept. But it seemed like the guy was Fox. And they had offers from like the Knicks, They had offers from, I think, New Orleans. They had a couple of offers out there. And of all teams, Indiana, who's in full blow-up mode, gets the ultimate retooling, right? Because you get Tristan Thompson, who you're probably going to buy him out. You have Tyrese Halliburton, who can be a cornerstone guy for you uh, next to some of the other dudes that they have, especially if they plan on keeping Miles Turner now, which was something out in reports. And Buddy Heald, you can use him as a trade chip. So now you have ammo like now you've single handedly helped the Indiana Pacers retool by really not making your team any better. If you're Sacramento, like getting some DeMontis Sabonis is the Kings version of doing something just to do it. That's what I've been trying to say this last couple of days is it seems like the Kings simply grabbed the most mid player possible. Right. He's made two all star teams. And I've, I know at least one of those, we went and said, yeah, he's not really all-star. This felt like kind of like a default. He's, he's kind of a de facto all-star. Yeah. And you grab him up. He's going to give you 20 and 10, but is he going to affect, affect your long-term future as a playoff team? He didn't even do that in Indiana. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know, man. Look, Tyrese Halliburton, I feel sorry for him because he was actually committed to that franchise. But he is going to do so well 
in Indiana. I think he's going to kill it over there. Yeah, no, 100%. And just before we get to, I get to this trade, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton was at um, Pacers practice this morning. He was asked, like, is it hard to trust an organization now knowing that you put your heart and soul into the Kings organization and they just shipped you off just like that? And you could tell by the look on his face, he's cheesed. He's yeah. so cheesed. And he's like, look, I like it's a business, the business is a business, but I gave my heart and sweat to that team and and they treated me like garbage, just throwing me out just like that. So I really do feel for Tyrese. He is a genuine guy. I've heard so many interviews from him. This guy just feels like the ultimate kind of NBA nerd. He like knows so many things about the game, extremely smart. And he and from all reports, he was committed to the Kings, as you said. But the business is a business, and the Kings are in the business of the playing tournament. That's the business that they want <laughs> they want to be a part of because that's what the trade is. They want to be in the playing tournament. And I'm gonna tell you, Kings, right now. The playing tournament is not the playoffs. So even if you do not, if you move big, if you if you lose in the playing tournament, we're not counting as a playoff performance. I do not care, Kings fans. And look, it's been 16, it's been like what I think 16, 17 years now since 2006 or whatever. Um, they didn't make the playoffs. This trade, see, like this feels like a trade that they this just feels like such a king's trade. Like you said, this is just exactly. a such a king's trade. You bring in DeMontis Sabonis, and I, I'm a bit higher than DeMontis Sabonis as I am of, of, of some of the people who are out there. I do think that he is, like, a lot better than people, you know, make it out to be, especially people who come out of the street, like, oh, DeMontis Sabonis, like, really, that's all? I'm like, he's better than people think. I think he's even better than De'Aaron Fox, like, at the moment is with the Kings, even, like, even a few years back. Probably the best player they've had since Boogie. I'll say that for sure. But at the end of the day, Sabonis ain't moving that needle. He is not moving that needle I know he's still pretty young. I mean, what's crazy is like people like I think I on my mind that Sabonis is like 27, 28. He's only like 25 years old. He doesn't feel like it, but he's still pretty young. But at the same time, you have De'Aaron Fox who wants to play fast. Sabonis, a slow big who wants to muck it up inside. He's not going to help on the defensive end. It's more offense for the Kings, which is has never really been the problem for them. It's them trying to defend the other team. They're doing this to be a part of the playing tournament. And let's be honest, it's not even guaranteed at this point. We're going to get into the CJ McCollum trade later on. And the Pelicans are currently ahead of them in the standings. And I don't think really they're going to, they're going to give up the number 10 spot. But Sabonis is good. I don't want to say, I don't want to go to this and like just like bashing Sabonis because he is a good player, but he would be best fit for a contender who needs a third or fourth guy. He is the perfect role for that. You do not throw him on the Kings and expect him. Go take us to the playoffs because that's not what's going to happen. That's that's just not what's going to happen. I know they got the win over the Timberwolves the other night. You know, it kind of gave like you know, you know the the Kings fans a little bit of serotonin there. But let's be honest, long <laughs> like a long term, this ain't it. Um, Ty- Tyrese Halliburton, the fact that the Pacers got him, a, a franchise cornerstone for giving away for for trade someone that you're going to trade away anyway. Big W for the for the Pacers. They they've been making honestly like even like when they trade Karis Levert, I would I didn't even mind the package they got back for Karis Levert, which we're gonna get into a little bit later too. But they won this trade. They got the franchise cornerstone. The Kings are gonna be at least going for what, what, the playing tournament. It's I don't know, man. This is it's such a Kings trade, and I want to defend them. I'm trying to find ways to defend them, but I can't. And I and it's not true to myself because I know how much Tyrese Halliburton. Like I thought he was the one guy who was untouchable. He was the one guy who I thought was untouchable for the Kings. They trade him away. The business is 
The business of the game is brutal. Tyrese Halliburton learned that the hard way in his second season in the NBA, which is unfortunate. But, yeah, good job for the Pacers. The, the fact that you could do this and not even have to trade Miles Turner, like you, like you said, it's a retool, like more than a rebuild. They got their guy. They don't have to tank too, too much to, 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 to get the next guy to help, like, surround him with pieces. But, yeah, good trade for the Pacers. The Kings – Short-term goodness, but even still, it's short-term, a 10 seed, that's about it. I don't see anything else much going past that. Any final thoughts? I mean, the final thoughts that I have, bro, in terms of this trade is just, I just wonder, we talked about this on the pod the other day, like, I just wonder if the Pacers, in order to complete a trade, that they actually wanted Tyrese instead of De'Aaron, and it was just simply that Sacramento said, deal in that fact right it wasn't that it wasn't that De'Aaron was the untouchable and they were willing to give up Tyrese it was more so the aspect that the Pacers when they wanted to make an acquisition from Sacramento the target was always Tyrese Halliburton and Sacramento just let themselves get fleeced like I think that like at the end of the day that's genuinely my new like like new belief on this whole thing especially when you see like his fit moving forward, right? I, obviously, Malcolm Brockton couldn't get traded this year, but I still think they yeah. would be a pretty decent fit next to each other. Chris mm-hmm. Duarte is pretty solid in terms of this moving forward. Keeping Miles Turner and thinking about the idea of building around him is something that's an interesting thought moving forward. They still have TJ Warren, who they can maybe do something with or, you know, find a way to make a move with that. I mean, you're in a situation where I you you have to wonder if Indiana was swinging for the fences and Sacramento simply just kind of let their guard down, which is, again, such a king's thing to do. Very, oh, yeah, very I much. don't know, bro. Just, just a bizarre trade. Even on ESPN, the name of the article for the trade is Sacramento did what examining this bizarre king's pacers deal. Everyone knows it, bro. The king sold. Yeah, they they sold. They 100% sold. And one more thought before we move on to the next trade. Woj said this right after the trade was being um, was was made. The whole league was in shock. The entire league was in shock. If they knew Tyrese Halliburton was on the block, you don't think you can get a be- a better package than Sabonis? Dude, man. T- teams would like there's so many teams that would be like, "Yo, Tyrese Halliburton, this guy who it's like honestly, this year's having a career type year. The the guy who honestly like is like one of the smartest guys in the league at such a young age. I'll trade a lot of draft capital. I'll trade, you know, maybe like a maybe like a superstar that's frustrated. They could have done something else, but no, they settled. I don't even know why they settled. There was no competition because no one else. <laughs> there was no one else going for Tyler Tyrese Halliburton because because all the other teams in the league are smart. They th- like they thought that he was untouchable. And rightfully so. And the Kings are just like, no, Pacers, you can have them. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's insane to me. It's just absolutely insane. I cannot believe it. Even, <laughs> even, even right now. Like, I, I, trust me. When I was thinking about it, I was like, is there any way I can defend the Kings here? No. No, no way. Okay, let's, let's move on to the next trade. I'm, I'm so <laughs> cheap. And, you, and you, like you mentioned earlier, you know I hate for the Kings. We do not bet on the Kings. Never do this. Mm-hmm. And they, they just keep proving us every single night. Every you single know, night. Man. I know. It is what it is. All right. Next trade. We went on a lot for those two trades. Let's move on to the next one. Another, you would say, a kind of big-time player, borderline star-type player. CJ McCollum finally gets out of the Portland Trailblazers along with Larry Nance and Tony Snell. 
in exchange for Josh Hart, Tomas Sadoransky, Mikhail Alexander-Walker. Haha, let's, we're going to get to him later. Didi Luzada, am I pronouncing that right? Mm. I'm assuming, yes. Um, a 2022 first-round pick, a second-round pick in 2026, and a 2027 second-round pick. CJ McCollum apparently also was a part of the boys' decision to trade him there. He, that was his preferred destination as well, to keep that in mind. Jalen, what are your thoughts on McCollum being the newest member of the New Orleans Pelicans? Man, so I, I, I wonder about this move, you know, just out of the mere fact that, you know, without understanding Zion's health factor in all of this, it's hard to understand exactly where this team's trajectory is up next, right? Brandon Ingram is still on this team one-time all-star, definitely somebody worth keeping on the roster. I know a lot of people thought about the idea of trying to split him and Zion up, especially after Point Zion was a thing. But I think that they can coexist. I think picking up Larry Nance Jr. in this trade was huge too. He's going to miss some time due to injury, but I think he's a good fit long-term for helping the defensively. Uh, you got to kind of wonder about that a little bit because we said the same thing about him being able to do that for Portland. But I do think that New Orleans has better defensive personnel from a potential standpoint than anything that Portland was walking around with. So I think that he might be a lot more serviceable on this team. And then CJ McCollum as a pickup, you know, you went from once upon a time having Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball on the on the team. So I think getting CJ McCollum at least brings you back to that level. You know, more so in the Drew Holiday sphere, but there's still that lack of defense from the guard position that both guys, they they essentially gave up on, right? They traded Drew Holiday for essentially nothing. And they pretty much, as far as I'm concerned, considering they got Devontae Graham back, they pretty much gave away Lonzo to the Bulls. Now, thank you. As a Bulls fan, not going to argue. But they basically gave Lonzo away only to end up with Devontae Graham. So I'm not really sure what CJ McCollum does for this team. It'll be interesting to see how he operates as a solo guard for the first time. Yeah. Look, man, does it bring them better? Did they, does it bring them up in terms of the play-in picture? Def, in terms of this season, definitely. Does it maybe make them a little bit more of a dangerous team in the West, especially if Zion's healthy and you have those three guys being Ingram, McCullum, and Zion together? Of course. But, like, David Griffin really needs to ask himself, like, does this raise the ceiling of this team that much, though? And to me, I think the answer is no. But like, what do you think? Because I'm, not, I, I don't think it did very much for them. Yeah, this the CJ McCollum trade. Honestly, it's a good trade, as like, in concept, in concept, the the, the fit of him, Brandon Ingram, and Zion, is cool. It's a cool concept. You got the outside perimeter guy in CJ McCollum, who is, in my opinion, even an underrated passer. I think if, as a lead guard, he could still like average, you know, six, seven assists a game. You got Brandon Ingram, that scoring wing, and then Zion, who could just dominate inside. That's good, especially for the spacing of the team. But Zion, like, there's still so many question marks with him. Is he going to come back this year? The Pelicans keep telling us that he is going to come back, but we are not 100% sure until – I mean, it's, a, it's one of those things where it's like, I believe it when I see it, right. actually out on the court type of thing, you know? And, you know, they still have Jonas Valanciunas around. I think that their defense is still like very suspect, especially with a backcourt of Devontae Graham and, and CJ McCollum at the moment. I would like to fit Herbert Jones in there somewhere, but I don't, I mean, like when Zion comes back, obviously he's going to move to the bench. But, and of course, you know, Larry Nance will definitely have on the defense, but the defense is very questionable to me. The offense should score a lot of points, which I think 
I guess that's the kind of the goal for the Pelicans, just try to outscore their teams every night, which you have a good chance when you have Zion, who can average near 30 points a game just inside the paint. You got Brandon Ingram can score on in all three levels, basically a 25-point-per-game score, and also CJ McCollum, who has proven that he's a consistent 20-plus-per-game scorer. I mean, it's good in concept. You got some nice young pieces there as well to kind of balance out, you know, the the veterans and the youth. I think they have a good mix of that. But I'm going to have to see it on the court to see it for me to be like, okay, I this is going to work out. And we're, and we still can't, not even going to have a full picture of that until Zion Williamson comes back. Um. I know, like I know, like we talk a lot about the Pelicans because that is the big person of this trade. You know, them getting the star player mm-hmm. on the Portland side of things. I mean, we're gonna talk about another trade later, which I think got they got absolutely fleeced, <laughs> and, and another <laughs> trade. But this one, not too bad, not too bad. But the fact that they got away, they they gave away Nikhil Alexander Walker, uh, I don't know, but <laughs> but they still got Josh Hart. They got a first round pick. Um, Sadoransky obviously is not gonna be a long term piece there, and Didi Luzada. Any thoughts on the Pacers side of things? I mean, for Portland, I think the biggest thing for them is just the fact that they freed up so much money. I mean, one of the initial notes for the trade itself is they freed up about 60 mil in terms of cap space. They get all of those draft picks um, between this trade and the trade with the Clippers, like you mentioned earlier. We'll talk about that a little bit later, too. I will argue that there was a bit of fleecing taking place there, too, right? You gave two rotational players away. I know Rocco hasn't been playing that well this season, but come on, man. That's kind of tough. Yeah. Especially because he's at least locked up long term, you know, I mean, he, he, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things where you, you just got to wonder. But in terms of this trade, like I said, frees up a lot of money, get a lot of draft capital. And their thought process is to take all of this money and take all of this draft capital and use it to rebuild or retool, I guess, around Damian Lillard, who is pretty much dead set on staying there now. Look, man, we're going to talk about a different trade involving the Washington Wizards that seems to be trying to do something similar to this. At least I think so, in theory. I'm not even sure at this point. But the idea of retooling, you know, there's certain teams that are good at this. And there's other teams that need to kind of get out while the iron strikes hot, right? This is one of those teams, especially with things waning in the offseason about potentially having to hand Damian Lillard an extension, it just felt like if there was any time where you were going to get this done, it was now. And the yeah. fact that it didn't happen, I don't know, man. I think Portland Portland must know something that we don't. Because outside of having committed word from Damian Lillard that he wants to be there, I don't know what else is convincing them to try to make this work. Yeah, no, 100%. And you made a really good point. I mean, some teams can retool. Some teams know how to retool. The Blazers. I don't know. The 16 million cap room. I mean, it sounds good in concept. Right. But who's coming to Portland, bro? <laughs> but who's coming to Portland? What what are they trading to bring it to Portland? I don't know. <sighs> like I like like they like they they're thinking like, wow, we have all this cap room. Look, if LA had this cap room, you know what? They're gonna have a big four. If they have right. if, if, if the Knicks have this, they're gonna have some crazy big three. Not in Portland, bro. Not in Portland. I just think that. Especially, it just sucks for small market teams this way, but this is not how you rebuild or retool as a small market team. You got to look at the Grizzlies and the way that they did it, did it do the draft. You got to look at these other teams as the blueprint. And the Trailblazers, I mean, they, they're they trying so hard. Yeah, we're going to get to the Wizards later because they're doing this as well. The, but the Wizards are at least a bigger market as well. At least they're at least a bigger market than Portland. But at the same time, I mean, this is, I, I know I'm not agreeing with the way they're going through this. And I think that 
they could have gone through different avenues. Maybe like a complete rebuild would have been better. They have at least some young guys there, but I'm not a fan of this. Um, Lower is going to sign that big time contract. And I think they're going to regret it almost instantly. They're going to try to look for him to trade him soon. But yeah, I just not a big fan of the way that they're trying to go about this, especially because I just don't know who they're going to bring in. I right. just, we just have no idea. Let's move on to the last like big, big trade that we're going to talk about. And we're going to, of course, going to like kind of try and get through the other ones. Christoph Porzingis. Yeah. Christoph Porzingis got traded today, which I don't know. I, I think we talked about this beforehand. None of us really saw this coming, but the trade did pull through. Chris Asperzingis in a second round pick. Um, we don't know what year it is. I'm not sure if you have it up there, but I don't. I'm not sure like what year it's going to be in. I don't. I don't think it's. It depends on when it conveys. I think. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's one of those things. Okay. Cool. So the um, Chris Asperzingis in a second round pick goes to the Washington Wizards in exchange for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Burton. So bad contract for bad contract. Weird thing. Type of like weird type of trade here. Porzingis is on the move into the East. Back into the East. Jalen, what were your thoughts on this trade? This really caught me by surprise. Bro, so my first question is, like, so, like, did the Goran Dragic thing, was that, like, like was that just smoke and mirrors before the season started, right? Like, they had their heart set on Goron. The big issue for them coming into the season was, like, the Toronto Raptors weren't willing to buy him out, and the only way that they were going to get off of him was trading him. Well, they traded him to the Spurs, and it sounds like the Spurs are willing to buy him out. Seemed like it would have just been all about patience, right? At that point, you just you just wait for him to become available. Then you go after him on the buyout market. Seemed like a perfect fit considering him and Luca have been teammates on the international circuit before. Seemed like it would work perfectly, right? Yeah. And instead, you go after Spencer Dinwiddie using Christos Porzingis almost as like some kind of makeup trade for the fact that, like, they went after Spencer Dinwiddie this offseason via free agency and didn't win it, went out, right? Of course, he ends up in the sign-and-trade between Brooklyn and Washington. I thought the point was to get a point guard to help make all of this work, not, you know, move Kristaps in the midst of trying to get the point guard. And it's like, is Goran still on the, on the, on the market for this team? Because, like, no. now he's a backup point guard and he's playing next to Jalen Brunson. I don't get that either. So, like, my whole thing is, like, what did Dallas gain from this? And then for Washington, they just went full-blown fire sale mode today. Like, we're going to end up talking about, like, two or three other trades involving <laughs> Washington. It was like they got the news about Bradley Beal saying that he was getting his hand surgery, and they're just like, oh, all right, all right, throw everybody in the mix, while still not actually throwing Bradley out on the market. Yeah. Seemed like the perfect time to be like, all right, he clearly doesn't want to be here. We're not going to be able to play further, or at least based off the actions of deciding to get season-ending in uh, surgery. Excuse me. You put all that together, what did either one of these teams gain? What did either one of these teams come out of this trade and say, we're better because of blank? I don't see what either one of these teams are able to walk away with with their, with their heads held high saying what? I don't get it. I, I'm still trying to, even up till now, like even as you were talking, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the idea of this trade. The Mavericks get Spencer Dinwiddie. Obviously, he is the main focus of the trade for them. Davis Bertans is contract filler, one of the worst contracts in the NBA. They, they acquired him onto the team. But I don't know about you, but whenever I hear these like rumors about Drogic, um, um, Spencer Dinwiddie, when he came here, I'm like, 
what's going on with Jalen Brunson? My man's been balling out all season <laughs> There we long. go. Like, he's been balling out all season long. I'm like, are they just, not, are, are, are they just disrespecting my guy? Because for me, he's like Freddie Van Vliet Jr. You know what I'm telling? Like, like, no. he's like, like he's like building that same mold. I am like super high on Jalen Brunson. And then like I keep hearing the Mavericks trying to get another guard. I'm like, do you really need to? I mean, Jalen could just like come in and do like do some big things for your team. So like the fact they got Dinwiddie here, apparently they still want to keep Jalen Brunson around. That's a goal for them. They just re-signed Finney Smith, which is something that like, I think it was like a four-year, $52 million deal. That happened today. And I, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm just looking at their big man situation right now. Kleber? Um, Dwight Powell? Volpon? No <laughs> types of rim defense over there, my guy. I, and I don't think Kristaps was giving it to you either. But, I mean, like, I don't get it. Like, it almost felt like a recovery trade. Like, oh, we didn't get our guy in the offseason. So we'll use Kristaps as the trade chip to get him now. What does Kristaps Porzingis on on Washington do? That's what I don't understand either. Is that their way of trying to get a young piece as a precursor to trying to move off of Bradley Beal? Because even if that's I think it's the, the case, opposite, I think that's the I think it's the opposite. Actually, you I'll think so? Yeah, I think the opposite. They want to keep Bradley Beal. It's the same thing with the oh. boy. It's the same thing with the Blazers, bro. They're trying to keep Bradley Beal, and he's going to be, be the second star beside him. Whether that works out or not, wait to be seen. We can't even see it this year. We have to wait till next season. And, yeah. and we know not have to wait till next season because Porzingis, knock on wood, his injury issue, we don't know what's going to happen with him either. But I don't know. They're, it's just kind of their way of saying, like, look, Bradley, we're, gonna, we're trying to put you another with a second star. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of it either. At least I think if I had to pick a winner, it has to be kind of the Wizards because. As default, because I don't know what the heck the Mavs are doing with like three guards who can like all potentially start. And I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. is injured as well, but at the same time, he could still be put in that mix. But I don't know. Like the, the, the Chris Asperzingas going there, I think it's a way of telling Bradley Bill they want to stay. But again, standing with the Lillard situation, this is basically like the Blazers out east. Should you even be doing this? I don't think so. They're doing their best to try and do it, but I'm I'm still I'm still not a huge fan of this, but. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 mean the, I guess the Wizards win, I guess. I don't know, man. Like I mentioned it earlier that I felt like this was a, a similar, like you mentioned before, a very similar thing to what the Blazers are doing. It just feels like at least the Blazers have a calculated methodology around all of this where they have this freed up money, they have picks now, like they have, they have some kind of direction as to maybe what they're gonna what, what they're gonna do with these things. Maybe it might not amount to whatever they draw up on the on the whiteboard, right? But at least they have some kind of direction. I don't understand what Washington is doing, what their expectation is. And if getting Christos Porzingis is your way of saying, please, Bradley, stay, I think CJ McCollum's a better player than Christos Porzingis. CJ clearly wasn't strong enough to keep Damian Lillard's team above above water as a, as a side partner for him. What is Christos Porzingis going to do? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the fact, I mean, there's some other trades they did here. They trade away some young pieces. They still have KCP on the roster somehow as well, which is, which really confuses me. But at the, I mean, at the end of the day, they think that Bradley Beal and Chris Asperzinkas can, can take them to the future, which I don't really understand. I, I don't know. I really don't, but that, that, that trade happened. I, I don't think any of us thought it was going to happen, but it happened. And now Kristaps is back over east. Then Woody is on the west. 
Dallas Mavericks fans are extremely pissed, by the way. If you look at their subreddit, <laughs> right, right. If you look at their subreddit, it's, yeah, subreddit is terrified. Twitter ain't any better right now either. It is. It is. It, it really is. It like, I, yeah, this, this trade was just odd. This was just a weird trade. I just like, I, I really don't understand it. But the trade happened. Pretty big names actually being attached to it, and and Dinwiddie and Porzingis. But even Jalen and I, we're at the end of this segment. We don't know what's still going on. We're we don't know, but we'll have to see, I guess, come the off season. Now let's get to the rest of these trades. Okay. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we, we spent a lot of time on these first four trades and rightfully so. These are the ones that gained, um, garnered a lot of headlines, but a lot of trades happen here. We're not going to go as long to each of them, but we are going to go through them little by little. Let's get into this. It's going to be a lot coming at you. So let's go starting off with the first trade that happened earlier on last, actually late last week. The Clippers receiving Norman Powell and Robert Covington. Yes, that Trailblazers trade that we said was going to happen for Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a 2025 second round pick. I think we're both in the same boat here. What are your thoughts on this trade? I mean, it makes the Clippers better. It puts them in a position moving forward. I think Norman Powell's the one who's actually signed long-term and Robert Covington's the one yeah, that's uh, five expiring. Years yeah, five years yeah. yeah, so I mean, they did get a little bit of security there with that. I think they both will provide something for them moving forward. I also think these are two guys that should be able to gel pretty well next to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard once they get back on the floor healthy. Interesting to see whether or not that happens this season. The Clippers are going to be competitive all year. With Ty Lue coaching, they're going to be competitive. I think this just adds to their competitive fervor by getting guys who are going to be locked in with a veteran mentality. I think they'll retain Robert Covington in the offseason for maybe a cheaper deal if possible. And these guys will fit in the mixture with their two superstars. This might be this might be one of those things that keeps them competitive this year and makes them more dangerous next season. And that's probably how we have to view this Clippers trade. No, you took the words right out of my mouth. I agree with every single point you made there. Norman Powell and Kawhi Leonard have that history from the Toronto Raptors championship team. And Kawhi knows that in the big moments, Norman Powell steps up big in the playoffs. Covington has had some playoff experience as well. He's a good He's, a, he's an inferior good defender. He actually will fit very well in this Clippers system. And honestly, it's just a good trade for the Clippers for not giving up a lot whatsoever, giving up um, Bledsoe and Justice Winslow, who haven't been horrible this year, but also they were extremely expendable. They had to give away their first-round pick um, this, um, this past season and um, Keon Johnson and also a second-round pick. But it, that's not much. If you're bringing in guys who can actually help with your team now and also going forward, I think it was a great free trade for them. As for the Blazers, we don't have to go into this really much further. We know their their intentions here, but they they got fleeced. Let's be <laughs> honest, they got fleeced. They, you could have yeah. you, you couldn't even get a first round pick for trading two rotational players. I mean, come on now. I mean, this is the trade. I mean, I didn't think it was as bad as the like. I don't think the Josh Hart trade was that bad. This one, pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Yeah, let's 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 go let's let's go on to the next one. Let's move on to this this next trade, which also happened a few days ago. The Cavaliers, um, bringing in Karis LeVert in the second round pick in exchange for Ricky Rubio, a first round pick in twenty twenty two, a second round pick in twenty twenty two, and a second round pick in twenty twenty seven. Um, it, it was a good trade. They they finally got in another guard help. Um, because of course they lost a lot of guards due to injury this year. Sad to see Ricky Rubio go, but hopefully he can come back next year. Jalen, what were your thoughts on this trade? I mean, I, I this is one of those that I, I've been beating the table for for the last couple of weeks now. I thought Karras to, to Cleveland was perfect. If their idea is that they want to lean into being a playoff team this year and moving forward, 
while still being able to get a young piece in the midst of all of this, Karis LeVert is still within the time frame of this young building blocks. Some of the young building blocks they have on the team with Darius Garland. Obviously, Evan Mobley is the guy in terms of moving forward, but Jared Allen has been really good as well. I just thought that you couldn't get away with Jetty Osman and Isaac Okoro offensively at the two slash three guard position. Now, I do still feel like with Karis LeVert, they don't add that much defense at the three or at the two for that matter. So I still think they're a little soft at the wing. But in terms of needing another secondary ball handler outside of Darius Garland, you get Karis that it helps at least address that issue. Another thing was I saw a stat that apparently like Cleveland is one of the bottom, like bottom five scoring teams in terms of guys driving to the basket. Karis LeVert is apparently like top five in points scored driving to the basket. So I guess it also directly applies a Band-Aid to a need that they have offensively, which is putting more pressure on the rim. I think Karis LeVert fits really well. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of impact he has like, like immediately. But the real test, the real question is, you guys made a playoff caliber move. You're going to need your boys to kind of show out in the playoffs because we got we all know that Cleveland is peaking very high, very early in comparison to what we thought they were, where we thought they were going to be coming into the season. Now you guys have bought in, so you're going to have to show up. I'm not saying you got to win a first-round matchup, but you're going to have to be competitive to justify making a playoff style of a trade this early in you guys' rebuild because it is still a little bit too soon. Yeah. And uh, no, I, that is definitely like something to look out for. And Karis LeVert, this trade like rumor hasn't been going on just for the last few weeks. I think this has been going on since like last year, like, like December of last year, the idea of Karis LeVert going to the Cavaliers, especially after Colin Sexton went out there, like people were thinking they needed some help on the wings. He could also do a little bit of ball handling. You wouldn't like, you wouldn't be too mad with him handling the ball. He could shoot the three ball, create his own shot. They just need someone else. Like, I mean, He's kind of a black hole in offense. Let's be honest. He's kind of a black hole. Sometimes he's like, he's not the greatest passer, but he is someone who can dribble out, create his own shot. But they kind of need more of those guys. Let's be honest. I mean, Darius Garland is like kind of their only guy, like kind of developing offense. Lavert finally can have an, another guy beside him that can um, create his own shot. He has that connection with Jared Allen as well. They had the chemistry from the time they were in Brooklyn together. And to be honest, as long as they can keep, I mean, like you said, Stay competitive in the first round, make it like a six or seven game series. And I think it's a successful season for them. And I think like Carousel Verde is going to help those chances, maybe even take him to the maybe, maybe take him past the first round. Who knows? But I do like this trade for them. Um, and using Ricky Rubio, like to like, like, a, like his expiring contract in this trade, very, very useful. Nice that they can have him. The Pacers got some picks in return, which I like about this as well. I think it's a good trade for the Cavaliers. Um, excited to see how this team is going to work together in the next few months. Moving on to the to the next trade, well, we're going to be moving on finally to a trade that happened yesterday. The trade that happened yesterday, Nikel Alexander-Walker. Yeah, the guy who got who just got traded to the Trailblazers, he's out of there. And Juancho Hernan Gomez in exchange for Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes, and a second-round pick. Quick thoughts on this, Jalen? I mean, I think that Nikhil gets, a, gets put in a really – solid position now to actually kind of flaunt, you know, kind of actually learn, kind of actually maximize his potential as a, as an off the bench scorer. Other than that, something slight, you know, I mean, that's the best way to kind of phrase it. Something slight in the trade market. 
Yeah, no, 100%. The, um, the Jazz got to use Joe Ingles' expiring contract to take on Hernan Gomez's contract and then bring in Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who where a need it was addressed. Of course, Ingles went down with injury. They needed some depth on the wing. They got a nice young player who not only is going to be here this year, but also next year, so he can grow with their bench as well. I think it's a solid trade for the Utah Jazz, and the Blazers continue to um, accumulate young players and draft picks. Nothing much to go into there, but it was a good trade for the Jazz. And man, I can't believe I forgot about this trade. This trade should have been part of the the top tier trades. I can't believe I forgot to discuss this. The Heat receive a 2026 second round pick for the from the Oklahoma City Thunder for Casey Akpala. <laughs> the Oklahoma City Thunder. They gave up a pick. <laughs> they gave up a pick. It is a miracle. 48 draft picks down to 47. <laughs> oh, they man. made a trade. Jalen, what are your thoughts on this momentous occasion? I think that's such a great way to phrase it because of the mere fact that it's just like when you when you have a hoarder <laughs> finally give up a little bit of something that they're hoarding, it almost feels like progress. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the fact that it's so minimal, right? Yeah. It actually feels like progress for OKC. And look, man, I actually believe in Oklahoma City, uh, Oklahoma City and their rebuild moving forward actually a lot more, more than I think a lot of people do. Josh Giddy has been yeah. super solid this year. Very, very good. Still not the shooter um, that everybody was hoping he would be able to develop he's getting, into. He's getting time. better. He's getting better. But he's improving. Yeah, he's improving. I think he's been a two-time Western Conference Rookie of the Year, uh, Rookie of month. the uh, the month. Yeah. Um. So that's been huge, too. Obviously, having Shea Gilgis-Alexander in and out of the lineup due to these injuries, and, of course, there are there's a little bit of rest element in there as well, obviously. Yeah. That's That's made it really hard for us to get a full picture of what this team could look like moving forward question about Lou Dort's future for this team I I think that might have semi got answered at the trade deadline because I thought he was a guy who might get a look but I mean look man I think the Thunder they're they're one more season away from pulling the trigger I know they have all these picks in the background but I think they are like one more tanking season away from putting the whole league on notice in terms of being one of those young and young up-and-coming rosters and look we watched Cleveland do it overnight so let's not let's not get too surprised with the Oklahoma City Thunder making this one little small move because one little small move can turn into a lot of other things. I think that OKC, I think they're starting to realize that they're they're closer than most people think. Yeah, I mean Casey Paula sucks for him because he really didn't get a chance at the with the Heat. He was injured quite a bit. Maybe he could get some come some play with the Jazz. We'll have to wait and see. But honestly, this feels like one of those kind of like AA meetings where you have to kind of like you, you have to like. <laughs> Like you have Sam Presti in a room and you're like, you have a problem. You just keep trading for draft picks. You have to realize you have a problem and move forward. This is the first step to realizing that you have a problem. They finally uh, got off a, a second round pick. Fair play. It's still for a, a what? Like a, like a middle schooler. It's still for a middle schooler, but nonetheless, it's a trade. Nonetheless, Oklahoma city rejoice. You actually got a player in return for a pick. And I, I, and I'm with you, to be honest, I'm with you. I think I'm, I'm actually in the same boat. I think they're actually a lot closer than we think. I think that there's going to be like this one off season where the where the Thunder can go bang, 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 trade after trade after trade, and they're actually going to have a really solid roster going forward. Just be patient, OKC fans. Just be patient, and I and I know you probably have heard that for the last three years, but continue to be patient. <laughs> Just continue to be patient. You're almost there. You're almost there. Oh boy, this is going to take a lot of. It's going to be a lot of talking for this next trade, a four team yeah. trade, the first trade of today. Actually, we finally got into the first trade. Let, let's get into this. I mean. Four-team trade. The Kings received Dante DiVincenzo from the Bucks. 
Trey Lyles from the Pistons, and Josh Jackson from the Pistons as well. The Pistons receive Marvin Bagley, who is obviously the biggest name in this trade. The Bucks receive Sergi Baca, two future second-round picks and cash considerations. And the Clippers receive Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale. A lot of players, a lot of teams. Jalen, can you make out anything of this? Like, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this trade? Okay, so if we go team by team, I think Milwaukee getting Serge Ibaka is big, especially with the fact that Brooke Lopez has been injured basically since opening night. So yeah. that's one of those things that, especially with his trajectory moving forward, he's still a rim-protecting big who can stretch the floor. So he has a lot of the similar attributes that Brooke Lopez brought to this team. Maybe not at the level that Brooke Lopez has, but he is definitely some kind of subjectively light, 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 light. Yeah, I was going to say subjectively speaking, light version yeah. of what Brooke Lopez gives them. With Sacramento, getting Dante DiVincenzo was something they kind of already should have done. This was a guy who, if you if you remember, when Bogdanovich, yeah, exactly, right. when the Bogdanovich trade didn't go through, yeah. the initial deal had Dante DiVincenzo a part of the exchange, and it seemed like a perfect fit for both teams. You give Bogdanovich another team where he can be a stretch, he can be a stretch guy who can handle the ball a little bit. You give Sacramento a little bit more athleticism and a lot more perimeter uh, attack defense with a guy like Dante, who coming out of that Villanova system, we know he's defensively sound, and we know that he can also be a intelligent player for a Sacramento team that definitely needs a little bit of a basketball IQ resurgence, you know? Yeah. But you also get guys like Josh Jackson in this trade as well, adding to the athleticism. Is he going to play a lot of minutes for you? Mm, I don't think so. But does he give you at least a little bit of a burst off the bench if he does play? Mm, I think that's something that we can at least take a look at. For the Clippers, Rodney Hood, Simi Ojale, again, the Clippers just getting depth. Do all Are all of these guys going to play? I don't think so, especially when we talk about next season. This team is going to get whittled down. It'll be really interesting to see who kind of makes the final cut when we look at next year's team because that's the team that I think is going for the chip. Next year's version of the Clippers, they might be a top five team on paper today with everybody healthy 100%. going into next season. And that doesn't even involve anything in terms of the offseason with uh, the cap being moved up and everything like that. And then the Detroit Pistons getting Marvin Bagley. The free Marvin Bagley chance come to a halt. He is finally no longer under the Sacramento Kings umbrella. And he gets to play next to Kate Cunningham. Sounds like a W to me. So honestly, I think this is the perfect opportunity for him. You look at the circumstances for him moving forward. He's always been a 14 and 7 guy. Now he gets to play play next to a guy who, you know, basketball sound in terms of Kate Cunningham as a facilitator. And just a more high-energy based program right now, talking about the Detroit Pistons. Like they just look way more competitive on a nightly basis than the Kings ever are. I think Marvin Bagley is going to finally get the chance to maybe not be the third overall pick guy that everybody viewed him as, but I think somewhere in that ilk of finally showing out to be one of the better guys out of his draft class. Yeah, no, that's the biggest thing here. Marvin Bagley finally gets his chance. His dad must be over the moon right now that he is, his son is finally out of the King system. Um, the Pistons, you know, of course they got Kate Cunningham feeding him the ball. Great. It's going to be a, honestly a good chance for him to finally like show off that he could be that guy. He didn't resign his contract with the Kings. I think this is like his fourth year in the league. He can maybe finally like get like a deal there with the Pistons as well to kind of grow with the system as well. And in terms of the rest of this trade, 
you can't hate it from anywhere. I mean, you really can't hate it from like any team. DiVincenzo, the Kings get him after a year and a half. Lyles and Jackson. I mean, I, I Jack, Josh Jackson was my guy coming out of that draft, and sadly, he hasn't really gone like turned into anything. The Bucks, <laughs> um, the Bucks get a get help for Brooke Lopez, and I think the only thing that says about um, the Bucks is that maybe this Brooke Lopez thing is like a lot more serious than we thought it was going to be. They have to get the help. They also get two second round picks, which could, they could probably use in a trade later on down the line. And then the Clippers, they got out of Sergi Bakker, which actually like is big for them because they were over the luxury tax. And they're going to have to play a hefty amount by keeping Sergi Baca on the roster. They got rid of him. They got two guys. Will they play? Will they not play? It really doesn't matter. They're not going to be like having meaningful minutes on the team. But Sergi Baca wasn't that difference maker. They're going to be like, yep, we definitely have to. Like, we need to keep him for this championship team. It's worth paying the luxury tax. It, it wasn't really all that. It's fine for all teams. A lot of things, a lot of happened here, but honestly, glad that Marvin Bagley can have a chance at the Pistons. Excited to see what he could do, especially in this like post All Star break. This could we could finally see maybe like a good sample size of what him, Cade, you could throw in Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay in there as well. Very excited to see them like th- th- like that core group of guys play together. Moving on, finally we get to go into a trade on my end. We're going to talk to Toronto Raptors, a trade that. We've waited all season for it, to be honest. Goran Dragic and a lottery-protected um, first-round pick in exchange for Thaddeus Young, Drew Eubanks, who was just released three hours ago, and, <laughs> and the Detroit Pistons' second-round pick. Technically a first-round pick, Raptor fans. It's a, it's a first-round pick because they're, they're a pretty bad team. But, Jalen, your thoughts on this trade? Dragic finally moves from Toronto. I just... Again, and I mentioned it briefly talking about Dallas. I just think it's going to be really interesting moving forward to see where Goran really lands, right? Because we understand, at least it was reported, that Goran Dragic is more than likely going to be um, bought out. And I think that he, as a backup point guard, even maybe as a lead guard for some of these teams, could be a really interesting fit for some of these teams looking to make a playoff push. Now, TV, in terms of getting my guy Thaddeus Young, though, Oh, I've I've seen both fans get pissed. That's like, look, man, hurt me straight to my core because that's that's that that you know. Look, if we had to lose anybody in that exchange for Demar Derozan, I'm okay with it being Thad. But at the end of the day, man, that's a good solid rotational guy. And TV, I, I gotta tell you the truth. The minute I saw the trade. You can you can ask you can ask my girl. She was sitting right next to me. The minute I saw the trade, I said, "I think the Raptors just got better with Thad." Like legitimately, the oh, first did. thing I said when I saw the trade was like, "The Raptors made themselves a solid little pickup by getting Thaddeus Young." I mean, look, they're already embracing the 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 length all over the court, right? They're already embracing having intelligent intelligent basketball players who play with pace and space while also having significant length on the defensive end. Thad Young is a great post-presence passer, and he's going to be a really good inside presence on the defensive end for you guys. I I mean, look, you guys, I I still think that a a true traditional center, like going after Miles Turner if he was available, for example, you know, this season's a little bit of interesting in terms of whether he could really impact this year. But looking forward, getting a real rim defender like Miles Turner would have been the apex trade for the Toronto Raptors. But getting Thaddeus Young, man, you, you can't be mad at it. You can't. No, no. And that's the thing. Look, I'm like, 
in like in, like I mean, kind of like engraved in Raptors in the Raptors community, like talking with people a lot online, just like talking with a lot of Raptor fans. And initially, I mean, I think what really hurt like a lot of Raptor fans here is that the reports that were coming out. I mean, people were saying like Porzingis might come to Toronto, Miles Turner <laughs> might be coming to Toronto. And I'm like, right? I, I, I was like, are you sure? <laughs> like, are you sure? Like, I don't think that I don't think it's like that much of a market for Goran Dragic. And I think this trade like kind of proved like my my thoughts exactly. And people saying like, oh Thaddeus Young is like past his like like past his you know his best self and stuff like that. He's 33 years old and I'm like this is not a bad trade. This is not a bad trade for the Raptors whatsoever. People are freaking out about that first round pick too. I'm like y'all we're we're gonna get like the 23rd, 24th pick this year, maybe 22nd. The Pistons, we have the Pistons second round pick. That's not that far off. It's only like 10 picks off. It's not even that, that bad. So I like it. I, I like Thaddeus Young. Like I looked at the trade. I didn't because I, I was surprised when we got Thaddeus Young. But I was like, you know what? It's cool. He, right. He, he, it's respectable. It's, it's respectable. respectable play. No, he fits our system perfectly. This guy is a good facilitator, a smart defender. And he's a veteran, which the Raptors don't have any. We were supposed to have the, like the Drogic was supposed to be that guy. This guy's been chilling in Miami for the last four months, like not even with the team. We have someone who we can trust. He could be like our seventh, like sixth, seventh man off the bench. And sometimes he can close games for us. As, I mean, both fans were were cheesed when like yeah, man, when, when they couldn't lie. when they couldn't even get that young. And I was like, this guy was is a solid player. I don't know like where people are getting this like this idea that he's past his prime and stuff like that. He may not have the, the athletic ability that he once had, but he's a smart basketball player. He's going to help out this team, like not just like on the court, but in the locker room, someone who has like a, a calming voice, someone who just knows how things work in this league, helping a lot of the young guys that the Raptors have, because a, a couple of these Raptors kind of have, they have a couple of hotheads, you know, they got Pascal Siakam, <laughs> They got Scotty Barnes, who's complained to the refs time and time again. Gary Trent, who's been ejected like once or twice this year. That young, you need that veteran presence in the locker room. And the Raptors haven't had it all year. They finally have it. And yes, I mean, Drew Banks is included here too, but we just released them. But at the end of the day, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm okay with it. I'm honestly, like, I'm like, I'm a lot more high on it than a lot of Raptor fans are. I think it's good. I still think it's a good trade. We didn't have to give up much draft capital because we're only moving back like what 10 positions, 11 positions most. We're still gonna get a rookie in the next draft. We're fine, Raptors fans. We got someone who who wasn't playing at all in, in Drogic, and we can finally have a rotational piece. It's good. We're all good. <laughs> and I mean, Raptors fans are like at least like two rotational players, and I'm like, I don't think I think people were overestimating Drogic's just value in general and i think that the raptors the fact that we got someone that could be a seventh man in our rotation it's a big dub it's a big dub in my opinion as the bulls fan here these these guys were heartbroken people I, i've seen so many thagic johns like johnson things on my timeline i'm like oh look you know good trade for us i i was already a good fan of a big fan of thaddeus young i'm glad that he's gonna be a part of this system let's move on to the next trade this one's not gonna take too long because bull bull has been traded technically for the third time this season. <laughs> so Bo Bo, PJ Dozier in a second round pick along with cash considerations to the Celtics for a second round um, and to the Magic for a second round pick. Anything, any thoughts? I mean, I just think that Bo Bo is going to be fun. He's going to be fun on the Magic. They're going to be interesting. They have a lot of length. If you think about Jonathan Isaac, Franz Wagner has been really good this season. Jalen Suggs, hopefully in year two will be a lot better because Bo Bo and PJ, PJ Dozier are out for the season. 
This is more like projecting for next year. You still get a young guy in Bobo without actually having to commit like any real draft capital towards such a swing like that. And you've seen Bobo at least, you know, at some levels playing with the Denver Nuggets and definitely in the G League. So you have some understanding of just like how crazy he could be if given, you know, the chance to be lit off the leash a little bit. So I think it's just an interesting trade overall in terms of the magic. They add a lot more length. They get a little bit more interesting, but eh, nothing too, too crazy, bro. Yeah, no risk, high reward. That's basically the idea of this trade. And, I mean, I I, I had a whole segment on Bobo when he got traded the first time. I don't think people – I think people are hella overrating this guy. If I mean, if out of all the – I mean, the Nuggets had injuries upon injuries upon injuries this year. And the fact that he couldn't still touch the court, I think, says a lot about, um, like, how the Nuggets view him and how he's come along as a player. I don't think that much. I just think it's, it's – but for the, for the Magics, a team that's still rebuilding, low risk, high reward. I do not mind it whatsoever. And the, and the Celtics, they at least just get two roster spots. Maybe they can be active on the buyout market. Next trade, another Celtics trade, actually. Derek White going to the Boston Celtics in exchange for Josh, Rich, Josh Richardson – Romeo Langford in a 2022 first round pick. A pretty solid trade for this, a pretty like decent name for the Celtics. Getting Derek White, Jalen, what were your thoughts on this trade? I think, I mean, if you, if, if anybody's going to play the winner or loser game where it's outright, I definitely feel like the Celtics are a winner in terms of this particular tra- uh, transaction. You get another big ball handling, you know, wing creator, a guy who can take up some minutes even at point guard, I think, in terms yeah. of being a facilitator for all of the madness, I think he has the chance to be a plus defender on this team with all the length that the Celtics have. I mean, and let's be real, like Josh Richardson wasn't giving them really anything. So I don't know how much Josh Richardson gives San Antonio. I mean, maybe he gets to be that perimeter wing defender that just shoots the ball really well for them. But Josh Richardson hasn't really been the, been the guy like that we all hoped he would be since his last season in Miami. So at this point, it's kind of the idea of just taking a swing on him if you're San Antonio and hoping that maybe he gets his mojo back. But for the Celtics, yeah, you get another ball creator, you get another ball handler, another little shot creator, and somebody else to kind of take up minutes at the guard position. I mean, I think the Celtics came up. Yeah, no, I, I like to trade for the Celtics. Derek White, for me, is like a pretty underrated player. He doesn't get talked a lot about a lot. The only really attention he got is when he was with Team USA, I think that one summer when he – I'm not sure if that – I don't think that team did well, right? I don't think that was – I think that was a team that – I think that was a team that actually did, 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 didn't even get to the championship game. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that was pretty tough for, for that team. But at the same time, Derek White is a solid player, can shoot the three ball, can handle the ball. And you are giving away a first-round pick. And Romeo Langford, I think, like he's still like a young piece. But you got someone more reliable, and the Celtics have definitely been turning it up recently. I think Derek White is definitely going to help out that team. Spurs fans are devastated because they're a huge fan. Like there are a lot of like Derek White lovers there, but for the Celtics, I think they got themselves a good guard, especially because they traded one of them, which we'll talk about a bit later on. Next trade, we have we have the Phoenix Suns finally getting off of Jalen Smith, trading him in a second round pick for Torrey Craig. Quick thoughts on this. Get Torrey Craig back, you know, <laughs> lost He's him back. in the offseason, brings him back. He's going to play well for them in terms of their center spot. They are pretty locked up. I think it's hard to ever be mad about getting more wings on the squad, um, especially if you're Phoenix, right? It seems like they have all the three and D wings. Add another guy in Torrey Craig back to the squad. No harm, no foul done by giving up Jalen Smith either. And I do feel like 
that is a little bit of a high upside thing for Indiana. Again, another one of those things from the big spot, because now you're kind of fleshed out, right? Because you have Isaiah Jackson, who you picked up in the draft this past uh, this past NBA draft. You've got Jalen Smith now. Miles Turner is another guy on this squad at the big man position. Now, the, the question is whether or not, you know, Goga Batazde gets lost in the mix in all of this, because that's another yeah. guy they committed draft capital to as well. But, I mean, they got a, they got more than enough bigs. They'll figure it out. They're in retool mode, right? So they can do whatever they want in terms of having depth at positions. And I think Jalen Smith, you know, I'm a Maryland guy, so I, I got I to gotta shout yeah. out my Maryland guys. Yeah. So it's one of those yeah. things where I think that in the perfect situation where he can kind of just play basketball and learn on the job, he's going to be able to grow into the guy that I think certain people thought he could be coming out of UMD. I just don't think playing for a championship caliber team like Phoenix that he would get the chance to kind of take those bumps and bruises. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I think in the year he got drafted, I mean, he, he just like, that's when like Phoenix Suns really start to finally like kind of like figure things out a bit more. So he kind of did get lost in the mix, gets straight to the Pacers. They're retooling mode. They got some guys injured. He's going to have an opportunity there. I mean, he's going to play. He's basically playing for a contract. Now he's going to be an unrestricted free agent past this season. So maybe he can finally like make something out of here as part of the final like you know few months with the Pacers. He could I like the opportunity there for Jalen Smith. In terms of the Phoenix Suns getting toward Craig back, plug and play. This guy knows the system. He's the reason he made it to the NBA championship anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, I mean, you got the guy. You're now guaranteed to go back to the finals because you got Torrey Craig. Easy. Next trade. This is this one is actually a pretty um a pretty important one because the Wizards received Ish Smith. Again, um, Vernon Carey Jr. and a second-round pick for Montrose Harrell. The Hornets finally addressed their center position. Jill, and your thoughts on this trade? That statement is what I take away from this trade. The Charlotte Hornets, granted, again, another one of those teams where Christian Wood or getting a guy like Miles Turner would have been an interesting and maybe more high upside pick in terms of them making the playoffs this season and being a legitimate threat in the playoffs this year. But Montrose Harrell is a high-energy player. He's going to give you a good 20, 25 minutes off the bench. And on this team, I think realistically, he's going to be even more fun because they like to run. And I think with a high-energy guy like Montrez Harrell, that's going to be big time for them by adding another high-energy guy on both ends of the floor. I think that's going to be important to note is that Montrez Harrell, despite being undersized at the center position, definitely plays above his belt. And I think that's going to be something that the same way LaMelo Ball is infectious on the offensive end in terms of encouraging guys to run the floor, make themselves available and things like that. I think Montrez Harrell is going to be somebody who's going to be big time in terms of motivating guys on the defensive end to commit harder. And that's going to, that that's when things really get dangerous. Because if Charlotte even remotely gets, you know, to top, 15 top top 12 defensive rating wise in the in the um the, in the NBA along with their high powered offense oh they're going to be dangerous and then Washington look man I already told you earlier they're in full fire sale mode I don't know what's going on getting Vernon Carey getting Ish Smith back I yeah. don't know man uh, yeah yeah I mean there's nothing much to go for the winter <laughs> time there's there's nothing much to talk about we've talked about them enough in this episode yeah. Montres Harrell I don't think he's a long-term solution. I think he's a good bandage situation until they realize what they want to do come this offseason. But you hit all the points there. I mean, it, it feels like forever ago, but he was the sixth man of the year two years ago. It felt it has felt like forever, but this guy's going to give you a solid like 15 and eight off the bench. This guy's going to be high energy. 
he he has been exposed in the playoffs in the past, so I will like that is something to um, be a lookout for. But they didn't have to give up much. They gave up basically nothing. They still got PJ Washington on the roster. They still got um, Mason Plumlee. This is just more depth that can actually play for them right here, right now. Good short term. Yeah, it's solution. a homecoming too. It's a homecoming, homecoming. for Montrezl Harrell too, because he's actually from he's from North Carolina as well. So maybe he'll play inspired. Who knows? Yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. Of course, in front of the family and all that. Of course, I think that 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 has will have something to do with it. Good bandage solution. I think this is like a good trade just because they didn't have to give up much. It's a good short-term solution. I think he's going to produce, honestly, right away once he gets to the Hornets. Let's go on to this next trade. And again, a massive trade that I that I did not get to mention earlier. Cash considerations from the Wizards, um, <laughs> from the Suns for Aaron Holiday. Anything? <laughs> Anything? No? Anything? Nah, man. Jeez. Oh, I mean, like I said, I mean, the, the, the main thing that I take away from the Wizards today is that they are in the middle ground, bro. I mean, when you look at all of the exchanges they did make, all of the exchanges they didn't, it just seems like they want to keep Bradley, but they don't know how to keep Bradley. Yeah. And those are two totally different trajectories moving forward in terms of what they're going to do because you can't build around a guy that you're not sure is going to stick around, but you can't trade the guy if he seems like he wants to stay. So it puts them in a weird bind. I do understand it. And look, the Wizards, it's hard to get – same thing with Portland. I want to make this very clear. Like, it's hard to be mad at an organization for embracing guys who want to stay because we just got on Sacramento for shipping out a guy who was committed to them, and he, he was two years deep. You're talking about guys like Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal have been around their respective franchises much a longer. Yeah, a so, decade, yeah. If you want, if they are commit, if they at least verbally are committed to you, it's kind of hard to play bad guy and go against their wishes when there's a lot of incompetent franchises going against those guys' wishes and looking like fools for it later. So they're in a weird crossroads, man. I don't know if the Wizards did anything today that makes them look good. But nonetheless, bro, at the end of the day, at least we do know one definitive thing, TV. Yeah. The Wizards are definitely making a tank play to try to end up somewhere in the top five. We see that they have yeah. finally made that commitment to put themselves back in the lottery. We don't know what Chris Esprzegas has to say about that. This guy, oh, you know, God, he... you're right, though. You're right, though. And you know Kuz ain't going to go out like no, <laughs> no, no way, ho bro. either, man. That's no, true. They're, they're, they're going to try, <laughs> try their best not to. They're going to try their best not to. Oh, Aaron Holiday. God. I mean, Aaron Holiday, more guard depth for the, for the Suns. The rich just get richer, right. basically. That's it. Next trade. I think this is the final trade. Yes, we finally got to the final trade of the trade deadline. And it was another odd one for me. The Celtics bring back Daniel Tice after losing him for half a season. And they trade away basically Ennis Freedom, Bruno Fernando, and Schroeder. So Schroeder is now going from two years, 84 million, sorry, four years, 84 million to the Houston Rockets on a, on a mid-level exception deal. What a fall from grace. Any thoughts on this trade? I mean, Daniel Tice, I think, he was good for the Celtics. I wasn't really sure what that disconnect was from the beginning, honestly. Yeah. And then, 
I don't know why they didn't bring him. I don't know why they didn't bring him back last year after last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, it felt like it felt like one season too late in terms of reacquiring him. I thought they definitely could have used the size last year. You know what I mean? And then I mean, in terms of Dennis Schroeder, I guess him ending ending up on Houston just gives him the best chance to like finally revitalize his career a little bit. I mean, he is an expiring contract, so anything he does is going to be something that puts him in the situation to maybe re-up but i mean yeah yeah man i don't know even i i guess this is one of those where i think the celtics kind of just like they look better for it because they get a guy who's gonna be a legit rotational piece for them yeah. right now and moving forward as opposed to dennis Schroeder for houston is definitely just a let go guy so yeah. i mean and enos freedom isn't even gonna play on this team he already oh yeah he got released <laughs> already got released so i mean then bruno fernando i mean he's an interesting big for them too but houston has bigger fish fish to fry bro yeah no for sure <laughs> the only thing i took away from this is that the, the celtics are rebuilding their 2019 team are they aren't they i mean they still they got jalen brown still they got jason tatum still they brought back al horford this year they brought back daniel tice this year <laughs> they're trying to run it back from 2019 i mean it made it to like the second round i think that's better than they did last year so i was like you know what if it ain't broke What's, what, actually, no, they broke it, and then they f- tried to fix it again. So <laughs> so I guess that's the only thing I take away from this. We got through all the trades, quick style, at least with those like last like bunch of trades. Before we move on to the last topic of the show, which is the All-Star Draft, I got to ask you, Jalen, there's some teams that we didn't mention here um, in terms of like, um, especially because some teams didn't even make moves. But what are some of you? Let's start. Let's let's we let's start positive. What are some of your winners from today? It could be the ones we've discussed already, or someone that we haven't really talked about like really that much today. So I think for me, this is my first one is a homer pick. It is the Bulls, but the reasoning behind it is a little bit different than some of the other guys, some of the other teams that I had as winners. And the reason why the Bulls is winners is because they didn't have to give up anything while still getting some really good news about Patrick Williams. It sounds like. From what Karnashovis, our, uh, our president of basketball operations, said, along with some recent reports and recent video re- pertaining to Patrick Williams, that it looks like he actually might be able to come back and play this season, which is huge for us. Massive, because the, the only reason why going after guys like Harrison Barnes and Jeremy Grant, two guys who didn't move, by the way, which is interesting all in itself, yeah. but the only reason why those were guys even mentioned with our team was because Patrick Williams was a guy that we lost earlier in the season who, granted, a lot younger and still kind of a little wet behind the ears, but was going to be that guy at the 3-4 position for us to kind of help flesh out the, the starting lineup. So I think with that kind of good news, that's one of those things where as a competent franchise, you're one of the best teams in the East in terms of the standings right now. You have really good momentum moving forward. You've had a lot of hiccups with injuries to Alex Caruso. Lonzo Ball, we, of course, had the crazy – we were one of the first teams that had a COVID pause, like a legit one yeah. that caused, you know, games to get postponed. Yeah, so to get through all of that and be an overachieving team and come to the trade deadline and say, you know what, we're able to stand pat and still get some good news on the trade deadline, I, I, I got to say my Bulls definitely came out feeling pretty good despite not making any real transactions today. Yeah. No, and I, I have to 100% agree with you. And this just shows – that the Bulls front office from what they've had before with Gar Paxson and all that, it's more mature. They're a lot smarter because if probably in the Gar Paxson days, if someone like um, someone as important as Patrick Williams went down with injury, there'd be a knee jerk reaction saying, Oh my gosh, we want to compete. 
let's make a trade right away. Let's try and get the Harrison Barnes. We might have to give up a lot more than what we want, but let's try and get him, try to get Jeremy Grant. But no, Karnishevis, this guy knows how to build teams. He's been there with the Denver Nuggets. He's trying to do it here in the Chicago Bulls. Be patient. You have players on the roster. It does sometimes it's not gonna like happen right away, but you gotta like stick like stick to your guns. You don't have to make these knee-jerk reactions. And the Bulls for just not making a trade does make them a winner. And the the news that Patrick Williams is coming back, I know excites a lot of Bulls fans. And honestly, like I, I'm pretty high on Patrick Williams as well. I'm excited to see him back on the court because I think with the way the defense is with Alex Crusoe coming back soon, with Lonzo back coming back soon, adding Patrick Williams, scary sights, man. Scary hours out there for the Chicago Bulls. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. If I had to give a winner, especially with someone we didn't really talk about, the Golden State Warriors. And it's the same reason kind of for what you're talking about. By not making a move, I think they're still, they're still winners because they're one of the best teams in the, in the West right now. I think they're on like a nine-game or an eight-game winning streak. Oh no, they lost. They lost the. They lost the other night. But without Draymond Green, they're still producing at a high level, and they're contending for a championship. When they have James Wiseman on the roster, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, they've got three young guys. So you have the perfect bridge from the current core to the to the new era of the Golden State Warriors. The fact that you were, that you didn't have the knee jerk reaction, you know, we have to win a championship this year, and you're still able to compete to get all of these young guys. I think that's a W, and I think that I think I like the decision where stick with the young guys, have them develop. We're still good enough to compete for a championship. I do like that, and I'm very happy that the Warriors did not make a trade. Yeah, I gotta agree with you. I mean, sometimes the smartest thing to do when you get to these uh, these crossroads is just to stand pat, right? One of the, yeah. the one of the smartest things you can do is to look at your team, understand your personnel, understand what you're looking at, and realize sometimes the best thing to do is stay quiet. They say real G's move in silence, but I think that can also apply to the NBA trade deadline when you have a really solid squad and you don't want to mess with things like chemistry on and off the court. So I got to agree with you. Golden State's been really solid so far this season. Nothing too drastic that they need to do. Yeah, especially because there's maybe some pressure from like their fan base saying, oh, this is our big chance to get the championship this year. Let's trade some of the young guys, get a legitimate fourth star to maybe like solidify this roster. They didn't do that. I'm actually really happy with that. And of course, with the winners, we also have, you know, the Nets finally um, getting some like more depth and help. The 76ers, the, the, um, the Indiana Pacers for getting Tyrese Halliburton. There, of course, are the obvious winners as well. But the losers, you got to talk about the losers, Jalen. Do you have any like losers that we really didn't talk about from this like NBA draft? I mean, from NBA trade deadline. I mean, we talked about the Mavs. We talked about the Blazers. Are there any other teams thinking of? Um, so in terms of big markets, I think, you know, and again, going to teams that didn't do anything, the, the Lakers and Knicks, right? I mean, I saw Those something are my reported exact earlier. Two teams, the exact yeah, man. I saw a report earlier that apparently there was a trade out there for the the Lakers that would have sent Russell Westbrook and uh, Taylor Horton Tucker in that 2027 pick to Houston, and they could have gotten John Wall and gotten Christian Wood as a part of that exchange. That, that, that was a trade. I didn't even see that. That was, was a, I, that was apparently on the table. I'll, I'll send you that. I'll send you that in case yeah. you end up clipping this or something like yeah. that, because like it was one of those reports that came out earlier that it was on the table oh, and wow. I guess fell through. I don't know if it was because of putting Talon on the table. Oh, I don't know. If maybe, I'm, I'm done with THT, bro. I'm yeah, man. Maybe. I don't, I don't even know what could have stopped you from making such an exchange if I'm, if I'm the Lakers, especially with the fact that like Russ is getting benched, like 
at bare minimum, even if you don't play John Wall, I think Christian Wood will at least give you some good minutes at the four next to next to Anthony Davis or as a backup five in certain lineups or whatever. So, I mean, at least with that, you know, so for them to not do anything, everybody's so used to Braun going team obliterator around this time. But I think people just need to realize, man, look, you put the team together. The team got put together using veteran minimums, like a whole bunch of put together contracts. And your two main guys that you really could use is Kendrick Nunn, who might not even play this season with the way his injury seems to continue to flare up. And THT, who is not going to contribute to you guys trying to make a championship run this season or maybe not even in the foreseeable future moving forward. So them not making a move sucks. And then for like sucks for them. And then in terms of the Knicks, man. Bad vibes around the Knicks, man. We talked to my, we talked to my, uh, to our homie Gen Z Hoops, uh, our, our homie John that works over there, and he's, he's a Knicks fan, and he is, man, he's not feeling it. This is one of those seasons where he just kind of feels like it was a fall from grace after being the fourth seed, um, in the East last year to, to being like a, like you know maybe a play-in team at the maybe. peak of their powers. Maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for them to not make any moves, they've got a lot of cooks in the kitchen too. If you look at their guard depth, they have a lot of guys at the guard position, but nobody they fully trust outside of Derrick Rose. Like Kimball Walker was somebody who everybody thought in the offseason, if you're a Knicks fan, could be like the savior. And then he gets benched and then he comes back and he plays well. And then he comes back and he he gets, you know, put into trade rumors again. And it's like, okay, so you guys just don't believe in anybody. Sacramento was one of those teams that I think was associated with our Julius Randle trade last week as being something as a potential exchange. So, like, they were trying to blow the team up, essentially, over the last couple of days. So, for them to not do anything, it almost just feels like bad vibes. Yeah, no. no, Those are my exact two two teams here, the losers. I mean, yeah, we talked about the Mavs and Blazers, but the Lakers not getting anything. Nothing. Like, not a single move. Not even something minor. Like any sort of shakeup, especially for a LeBron led team, that just honestly is just a shock. But I think that's just a testament that this roster is not good. No one values anyone really on this roster. And you know, if the if that deal was on the table, like the one you said earlier, they really should have pulled the trigger. But I don't know what Rob Plinka is doing at this point. Even like just something, do something, and nothing happened. I know Lakers fans are are, are freaking pissed about that. And then going on to the Knicks, I mean. Like you said, they have a glut of, of guards in that position. You still got Julius Randle, who is fighting with video coordinators out on the sideline <laughs> as well. <laughs> like, like, I mean, you put it the best. Bad vibes all around for the New York Knicks. You just, after being on the highest of highs last year, you know, pe- there are big bonging people left, right, and center. This season, a fall from grace. They are number 12. <laughs> they are below the... They're, they're, they're below the Wizards, fam. They're below the Wizards. <laughs> that, that's a vicious representation of what this team looks like at the moment, man. Talking about the fire sale team that is the Wizards, and the Knicks aren't even in the picture right now. That's it's it's, it's an absolute vicious. mess there. And the fact they didn't even try to make anything, the fact that they traded for freaking Ken Reddish and Tom Thibodeau didn't even want him. This is just a whole mess of a season. You wanted we wanted to believe in this team. We wanted to believe New York Knicks basketball was back. But as the Knicks do time and time again, they just seem to, you know, mess it up as always. 
But yeah, those are all the trade talks. There's a lot to dissect there. Let us know down below what you guys think of the trade news, anything. Let us know down below. Um, just like, yeah, just like get into it because there's a lot of trades that happen, lots of discussion to be had. Before we sign off, we do, I did want to talk about this. The, um, the NBA All-Star draft happened and the teams were finally assembled. I'm going to go through the teams right now. Um, basically how the draft order went. So LeBron had the first pick, started with Giannis, then um, KD went with Embiid. Um, LeBron went with Curry, then KD went with Morant. Then we got DeRozan, Tatum, Jokic, Trey Young, and then Wiggins had to be the final pick for the for the um, for Team KD. On the on LeBron's side, they, uh, on the bench, he also drafted Luka Doncic, Darius Garland, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, Donovan Mitchell, my boy Steady Freddie, all Freddie All Star, Freddie Van Vliet, and James Harden, which we're gonna get into a little, in a little bit. And then as for Team KD, they ended up getting Devin Booker, Cat, Zach Levine, DeJounte Murray, Chris Middleton, LaMelo Ball, and Rudy Gobert, because who doesn't need defense in the All-Star game? Apparently, KD is all about trying to get that defense in the All-Star game. Jalen, we're going to get – let's go you – know, let's, let's go – let's go right into the fire. That final pick. <laughs> Freaking LeBron was trying his damn hardest <laughs> to be as petty as possible to get Kevin Durant to draft James Harden. And it got to the point where the final two picks were James Harden and Rudy Gobert. Kevin Durant was on the clock. And Kevin Durant wants to go with the defense. He goes with Rudy Gobert and Harden turns into the last pick of the all-star draft. Jalen, I said a lot there. What were your thoughts on this? Oh, this was I, this had me rolling in my seat the entire time. Man, I mean, I knew the fallout was going to be tough, especially with the, the way the news was picking up right before the trade. You know, all of the stuff about, you know, Brian Windhorst talking about James Harden basically screaming to get out of there. And then, of course, you know, everything else that came out about the Kyrie dynamic, him not being a fan of the he, – apparently he was the only player on the Nets that actually was against the whole part-time player element for Kyrie. That was another report that came out. So there was actually a lot more tension in that locker room involving James Harden's feelings about the team than I think anybody was really letting off until the final straw was pulled, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, especially for some festivities like the All-Star game, Bad blood had to be really boiling come time to make these draft picks. Because, I mean, we even saw in years past, you know, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook weren't, like, the best of friends after that, after uh, he chose to go to Golden State. They played an all-star game, and you would have thought they were homies. You know what I mean? Throwing alley-oops to one another in the whole nine yards. So, for KD to go as far as... To not draft him at all with the last option he had, the last pick of the draft, and for, you picked Rudy for defense. Remember, yeah, yeah. for <laughs> defense of all explanations as well. I think his exact quote was that I'm gonna need some rim protection, especially with guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo and LeBron James. I never thought that. I never thought that you would worry about rim defense in a game where we know dudes are going to be launching it from the logo regularly. But, hey, man, whatever logic allows you to go ahead and pick 
pick the anti move, bro. Whatever, whatever helps KD sleep at night, I guess. Okay. Okay. LeBron James knew exactly what was going on. And he made it. He did it for the dramatics. He wanted to see, he wanted to get social media churning. LeBron just has a feel for everything, man. He just has a feel for the landscape of things. And he made this honestly probably the best NBA all-star draft that I've seen like ever since they brought this into existence. I, I absolutely loved every single minute of it. And yeah, I mean, apparently this this whole thing happened literally like 15 minutes after the trade. I think according to reports, this happened like 15 minutes after that trade happened. So they asked Katie about it right away. And he's like, yo, I'm excited to have these guys onto the team. Glad to get to work and stuff like that. But you could tell he was cheesed. He was as Katie is, as Katie is. So that's a, that's basically like, all you got to say for that. And my only other thing I want to talk about before we sign out is how does LeBron draft the best teams every year? Like, looking at both these rosters, it doesn't seem fair, bro. It does, just look at the starting lineups in general. Like, he has one, two, three, four, four people, including himself, former MVPs, and then DeMar DeRozan, who's having an MVP-like type season. Then you go to, the, to, to KD's team, Joel, John Moran, Tatum, Wiggins, and Trey Young. No MVPs, good players. I mean, they're all for a reason, but how did LeBron get all the MVPs on one team? I mean, this happens every year too, I feel like. I mean, what what do you think of these like of these rosters just in general? I mean, if we're doing it on paper, I mean, yeah, it's definitely not even close. I mean, I unfortunately I have to say that that KD might have lost, considering he was the one that was forced to take Andrew Wiggins. I mean, he he, <laughs> he might have lost off rip. But unfortunately, you know, it gets even more controversial as you go further down the line, right? Like, based off the drafting order, it seems like he ended up picking up DeJounte Murray before taking Chris Middleton? No, no, no. I saw the draft. Yes, he did. This is all in order. This is all in order. Yeah, so DeJounte Murray just barely made it. And Chris Middleton was a guy who was selected outright. And remember, when we did our live reaction to it, that was a guy who we thought was questionable. We thought that was that was a yeah. a questionable pick as to whether or not he was an all-star at all, let alone somebody that deserved to be over a handful of the guys who we had discussed maybe having a little bit of a better case. So the fact that he got two of the most controversial guys being Andrew Wiggins and Chris Middleton, he also got both reserves being uh, both like injury reserves being DeJounte yeah. Murray and LaMelo Ball. like. I guess the most interesting thing about KD's team is he's definitely walking around with a handful of underdogs. You know, Devin Booker's used to being an injury reserve. He was actually picked as a reserve outright this year. Carl yeah. Anthony Towns is in bounce back season mode. You know how I feel about my guy, yeah. Zach Levine. I'm taking him to win the three-point contest as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but look, man, especially if we're playing 2K, yeah, man, this one ain't close. This, this one looks vicious. And KD's not playing, which also makes it worse. Le- LeBron got Luka Doncic as his first pick off the bench, and then freaking KD started getting some players. Then LeBron added Chris Paul. Then he added Jimmy Butler. Then he added Donovan Mitchell. And then got James Harden by default because KD is a petty guy. <laughs> like, he has MVP candidate, candidates out of the wazoo. 
and <laughs> against a team of underdogs. I guess that's the one thing they have against like for them. I mean, they're gonna be playing as underdogs. They're gonna be playing hard no matter what. But man, I have a feeling that Embiid's gonna have to carry this <laughs> if they want to get a win. <laughs> Embiid already has his injury issues, but Embiid's gonna have to carry hard on this oh, team, man. especially with no KD on the roster. My bad, Joel. This is supposed to be an All Star break. It's not gonna be a break for you, my guy. It's just not gonna be a break for you. So predictions: I say LeBron wins like quite quite comfortably again this year. Any any like quick predictions for this? Oh yeah, I I definitely got Team LeBron getting getting the dub. That that's that's without a question. Now the interesting part about it is, of course, with the Elam ending stuff for the All Star game. Now yeah. that should at least make things a little bit more competitive. But that's another reason why LeBron's team just might win. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he said it as part of the draft picks. Giannis Antetokounmpo was one of the hardest playing All Star game participants in this entire group, maybe in, in all-star history outside of like Kobe yeah. Bryant, KG. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, especially when you factor in the Elam ending fact, uh, like part portion of this whole game. Yeah. I, I got team LeBron, bro. It, it's, it's looking vicious. Maybe if KD were playing, I would maybe. feel a little bit stronger. Watch out for Jason Tatum and Devin Booker though. Both, both Kobe Bryant dis- disciples, Kobe Bryant trophy looks extra clean it's so nice extra it's so crispy nice. it's they so might nice. want to go after the trophy so maybe they might be a little bit more inspired than we're giving them credit no 100 that that trophy looks ridiculous and i wouldn't be worried if i'm team durant you got rudy gobert you have enough to stop be honest you guys are good but this is where we're gonna end today's episode thank you guys for watching or listening i'm gonna throw it over to my guy jalen just to talk about what you got coming up and so before of course heading into the all-star break trade deadline stuff what's going on on your side Oh, yeah, man. So just a lot of work in terms of, like you said beforehand, uh, shouting out the Basketball Genius one page, doing a lot of work in terms of these all-star uh, festivities. I'm going to make a couple predictions in terms of this team, the three-point shooting contest, dunk contest. I'm going to rank those guys. Um, definitely got to react to all of this trade deadline stuff, right? It took us yeah. all of this time to just go through it in podcast form. Imagine getting to writing it, bro. Yeah. It's so much more news that's going to come yeah. out in the next 24 to 48 hours. So it's going to be really interesting. And then, like I said beforehand, too, definitely about to start trying to go crazy on TikTok. Not only just reacting to all of this, but definitely showing a different side, more energetic side in terms of all this basketball stuff besides all the analytics stuff you guys hear on the pods. Yeah, of course. You got to check them out. I'm going to have the descriptions to the Hoop Talk pod, the basketball genius stuff, the TikTok, everything will be down in the description. Thank you for coming on last minute once again because we got to talk these trades. It was definitely a fun time, definitely a lot to talk about. But yeah, thank you for coming on once again, Jalen. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Definitely had to get, get had to get into it, bro. You know we were going to get it done one way to. or another. We had Already to. Knew. We absolutely have to. And he might make an appearance next week on another episode. There's gonna be. It's <laughs> gonna be that. That was gonna be that. That was gonna be pretty fun. I yes, had to record that one. But yeah, this is where we're going to today's episode. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Remember to show love on all the podcast channels. Like, share, subscribe. Hit the, not- hit the notification bell if you're on YouTube. And remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for updates on the podcast and for other awesome content that you can check out over there. We're going to be back next week with another episode. Might record two because it's a special All-Star weekend. Still not 100%, but I'm going to try my best to do so. And yeah, thank you guys for all the support you're putting on here. And again, talk about the trade comment section dm me whatever you want to do but there's a lot to talk about but yeah this is the end of today's episode thank you guys for watching that's me this is jalen thank you for um watching hope you have a fantastic day take it easy guys peace